If you've been here, you know that we have been in a series called What God Has Joined Together. We've been talking about love, sex, dating, and marriage. We've said every single week that our goal is to give wisdom from, get wisdom from God and to get life from God to make our lives richer and, and better and get his very, very best from his wisdom. That's what God invites us to. This is not about judgment. Um, I don't think today will be a trigger, but if you go back and listen to things, you might hear some things that you go, ah, I didn't do it that way. I didn't do it that way. I feel horrible. I feel dirty. I feel gross. I apologize, God. And we're groveling on the floor and God would say, get up. Let's, let's live a different life. Let's live in forgiveness. Let's live in newness and, and, and take that walk. So that's what's the heart of this, this series is, uh, is relationships and, and leading probably to, to marriage. And we're going to start to turn a corner today into that marriage. So next week, next week, we're going to have a panel. And uh, I've got, I think I've got three couples. Two are confirmed for sure. Um, I'll even tell you some, some names so because they came from you. So Birdletics were a popular choice, so Mike and Andrea are going to be up, and Tom and Tina Mason, so that takes care of the old people, and I have one young couple that has not ref- uh, come back to me yet, and they're going to get back to me, and, and uh, so we're, that's where we're headed. And what I need from you, though, today, and we're, you were supposed to get white cards when you came in, you didn't get those, so at the welcome table there are white business cards, and I need questions that we can ask them okay and so i'm not going to ask every single question but you can go ahead and write any write anything i know i just gave you license write anything you want i will censor the questions and uh we'll work from there and and but but really let's let's get the most out of this that we can by asking questions that are really relevant to our lives you don't have to put your name on it it's okay and then but if it's relevant to you, it's probably relevant to a whole bunch of us. So throughout the series, we started with this, that marriage has changed. The whole process of getting marriage has changed. Marriage itself isn't that different, but, but how we get from not knowing each other to saying I do has really changed. We, last week, we talked about technically dating. We said, boy, the whole technology end has really, really changed. And one of the things I said last week is, is that if you're going to get involved in that, please, and I'm going to say it out loud again, please think safety. Okay, think, because I said there's some creeps out there. We said a lot of other good things about it, but the one thing I'm going to tell you about internet dating and, and, and that whole site is, um, well, even today someone called me up and said, you know, that she got a very, very vulgar uh, invitation through one of those one of those sites. And it was, it, I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it was really horrible. And so I want you to think safety and smart and have your boundaries in, in the right places. But that's probably the minority, and this is a good way to meet some people with like values if they follow the algorithms, all right? So, so we also said that um, young people, when you interview young people, what they're looking for as far as future marriage goes, they're looking for a soulmate. And we said, hey, when you, that soulmate is a great term, but soulmate is really about commitment. It's not a treasure hunt. It's not finding the princess or the prince and living in happy ever after. It's finding someone who you say, you're my prince, you're my princess. We're going to build our kingdom together, and, and we're going to be soulmates. And it's about a commitment and a process and a, and a lot of work. So today we're going to start talking about, so how do we do that? How do we live as soulmates? And we're going to be dealing with differences between men and, and women. Now, in the last few years, it's been, maybe it's a little longer than a few, um, but there's been this rise of separate spaces for men and women in marriages, right? We refer to them as man caves and she sheds, right? Have you heard of the phrase she shed? Raise your, okay, that's a, maybe that's a newer one. Some of you are saying, no, never heard of that before. You will after tonight because your wife is going to want one. All right, so, so let me just start with man caves. Man caves, what, someone, give me, what's a man cave? 
It's a garage. Okay, it could be for, <laughs> and that's too bad. That's it's a garage for you. Okay, what else is it? Jam room, basement. It's some place that men take and they go, this is mine. This is, if your name is John, this is my man cave. I think it came from Batman, right? It's like my bat cave kind of a thing. But it, it's, it's, it's my cave. And men have gone completely wild with this. I just went on the internet, looked at a few of them. So here's, here's one of them. You know, it's, it's, I mean the wrong teams, but it's, um, you know, it's just really sports, out, colored, out. And, and then here's another one. <laughs> now that's a man cave, right? Have we not elevated the whole concept right now, right? Here's a, another one. This is literally a bat cave. See Batman on the far left there? And it's all gothic stuff, um, kind of strange. And then here's another one, which I don't know. Is that Lost in Space robot on the side? Who is it? Predator over there, but on the first front right, left, who cares? All right, so <laughs> all of that to say, so, so men are decorating the room. Normally, like we call it the man cave at my house. It's just a TV in a room. That's what it is. It's, Lori goes, go, and I go down there. So now there's this other concept called she shed, right, which is Sally selling the seashells by the she shed. And, <laughs> right, and, and, and they put up little cute things, little hot chicks inside type of stuff. On the outside, but a she shed is basically um, it's it's outside of the house for for many of them, right? And so it's it's a shed that the woman says is is mine, right? It's my space, and and they'll decorate it nicely and and have place where they're they're inside. Some of them get a little bit more elaborate and have decks and all that kind of stuff. Some of them I just go, why? I don't understand, but I'm not a woman. Like, I bet some of you women look at that right now and you go, that is awesome. I wish I had that. Um, you know, so here's Sarah Foster, this gal. She was in uh, like a Time article about this whole concept of she shed. She had one. And inside of it, that's Sarah, she has a sofa, books, and she's got a loft with a bed. And it's like, I'm reading that. I go, why? why? Why would you have a loft with a, a bed? And so they asked her, why did you... Um, why do you have this she shed for yourself? And she said, this is her quote, I did it to save my marriage and recharge my life. And I thought, wow, she did it to save her marriage. And I don't know which is cheaper, counseling or a she shed. I'm not sure how to balance that out, but, but I thought, can you imagine a guy building a man cave and his wife says, why are you doing this? Oh, honey, I did it to save my marriage and recharge my life. <laughs> You know, <laughs> there's there's no way that would float, you know. But but you know what, honey? Whatever it takes to save the marriage, I'm for the marriage. Okay. So here's what I want to do. We're talking about difference between men and women. I'm glad you're laughing already because this is a sensitive topic, and I know that that there may be some of us kind of with clenched fists going, "What's he going to say? What's he going to say?" Because we're not in a culture that embraces gender differences so much. We realize that there's men and women anatomically, but we're not so sure once you get past that, we're exactly the same. And and I don't know that I agree with that. I probably could say that stronger if I wanted to right now, but I'm just going to say I don't know that I can agree with that. So I'm going to play a little game with you, okay? And it's going to be man cave versus she shed. I'm going to make give a statement about a, a gender relationship, like, um, I'll say, have more money. And you yell out, is that a guy thing or a girl thing? Okay, it's not one of them, so don't even worry about it. <laughs> Men have it and women will get it. It's how the work things with the money. <laughs> um, 
Lori's writing things down. <laughs> Don't say that tomorrow, you know. All right, so here's what you're going to do. I'm going to read the statement, and you're going to shout out. You're going to go, men or women, whichever one it's, it's, it's true for. All right, have better sight and are able to see more colors. Well, see, you guys are really right on it. You're, you're right on it. So this is, this is kind of fresh at my house because my wife has been bringing home paint samples and wall samples, all those things. I see gray, green, and blue. She sees colors that sound like fragrances and fruits and vegetables and, you know, that's champagne. You know, champagne is something you drink. It's not something you color. All right, so, but, but it's true. Women actually see, this is physiologically proved that there's a difference between men and women when it comes to our eyesight. Women have, not every single woman, but have better eyesight and can, can actually sense more color. All right, here's another one. Uh, naturally, you use movement to think. Okay, you're not so cocky this time, are you? The little <laughs> men is the right answer. Good job. Have better hearing. Wait a minute. Have better hearing. Um, <laughs> women, 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 women. Okay, you're, you're really good. Have bigger brains. Now this... <laughs> it's a trap? Is that what he said? <laughs> okay, this is science. This is science. Okay, so yeah, it's like, well, well, okay, women, we'll give you the eyesight thing, but men have bigger brains. Men have bigger brains. Doesn't seem that I mean they use it or it's good. <laughs> Sawdust, we don't know, but we have bigger brains. All right, more adept at verbally expressing their emotions. <laughs> yeah. By the way, this is not what you want to be true. This is what it is, you know, all right. more likely to use a stick as a sword or a weapon in play. Uh, boys, come on. Okay, men, men. Uh, more likely to take risks. Okay. More easily startled. Okay. You're just alternating because you thought it was time for a woman. I know. Right. Uh, more likely to overestimate their ability. That sounds like experience, the way you said that. <laughs> more likely to die from an accident. Uh, or maybe it just looks like an accident. <laughs> <laughs> More likely to perceive a, natu- a neutral face as unfriendly. It's men. Whoa. All right. I got you for one. All right. More likely to exhibit aggression verbally. It's women. Women do it physically. Or men do it physically. Women, are, women more, more verbally. Use both sides of the brain to respond to emotional experiences. Yeah, they might be small brains, but they use both sides. <laughs> okay. Here's one. More motivated by sex. <laughs> Read subtle emotions better. Yeah, it's women because men are still busy thinking. Anyway. <laughs> More attracted to status and physical attributes in dating and marriage. Yeah, absolutely. How, who do you work for? How much money you got? All right. Desire to be pursued more than to pursue. Women. Women, according to science, this is not just me making this stuff up, uh, more likely to fall in love at first sight. It is men. Yep, it is men. That surprised me a little bit. More comfortable lying to the opposite sex. It's men. I mean, it may not be right, but we're comfortable. All right. Their brains are more flexible. 
It's, it's women. In fact, I don't know if you, you know this, but according to the science I've been reading, it's on the Internet, so who knows, but <laughs> after women have a, have a, have a child, they're, <laughs> this is bad news, your, your brains actually reduce in size <laughs> and then get kind of like recoded or thickened or something. So there's, there's like you get partially new brains. You actually have kind of a brain makeover after having a, a baby. And you wondered, what happened? But <laughs> I knew those kids cost me something. So and and your, your brains, because of, because of the hormonal differences over time, you go through many, many more changes than men do, and so your, your brains are more flexible with all of that. I'm, I'm going to get in trouble before we're done here. More likely to physically play with their kids. More likely to base friendships on common activities rather than emotional uh, connections. Right. When I go golfing, my wife says to me, so who'd you golf with? I tell her who I golf with. She goes, well, what did you talk about? I go, I don't understand the question. (laughs) Golf, the score, the ball, what brand are you using? Nice shot. Okay. Brains, uh, Brains suffer from aging at earlier ages. It's men. Sorry, ladies, but you got something, nothing to look forward to from us. All right. So you're used to it. Anyway, are more irritating. Ah, that's the trick question. Yes. Right? Require more of God's grace more often. <laughs> I think that's your grace. And I, and I know your husband. I understand. Um, <laughs> right? The answer, the answer is neither. Right? Are created more in God's image. We'll talk about that in a minute. Have greater potential to please God. Neither. Those last ones that we're talking about are incredibly important. It's what forms the biblical foundation for what we're about to talk about. We've looked at this passage over time, but this is this is the foundation for how we think about genders, marriage, and men and women. So we're going to read it again. It's Genesis um, 1, 26 or 28. And it's, it's the creation. When God said, let's create people. Right? And so here's what it says. It says, then God said, let us make mankind or people in our image, in our likeness. He didn't say that about anything else he created. It's so awesome to be us. It is. It is so awesome to be human. It is such a privilege to be a person that God says, I stamped my image in many, many ways, many, many different levels, I believe, inside of us. It's not about what you see in the flesh. It's about who we are and abilities we have, especially when it comes to things like love and forgiveness and relationships. And I believe humor is part of God's invention, right? And God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the, over the livestock and the, and the wild animals, all of them, and over all of the creatures that move along the ground. So God created people, mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now listen to how specific and clear this is. Created mankind. He could have just said that. God created mankind in his image. But he goes on and says he created them. Well, who's them? Male and female he created them in his image. And, and this is really critical. There's no leveraging with God one over the other. Men and women are equally created in, in his image. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. 
fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So just review, if I was going to do a whole sermon on this, God created them in God's image, both male and female. Secondly, rule over creation means shared responsibility. Right? We, we humanity, is is sovereign over this world. We can we can fix things, we can mess things up. We've done both. Right? So, but it's a shared responsibility. God goes, what's your, you go, God, what's our job? From the very beginning, he says, here's your work. You get to rule over this. And everything we do, in a sense, actually impacts our ruling over. Whatever you do for a living, we were talking about this at the, at the work conference we did this Friday, that your work is part of organizing and ruling over and shaping economy and feeding people and, and making money for your family. All great stuff, um, typically. But, but this is it's a shared responsibility, ruling over this world. And then male and female, he said he made them male and female. Why did he do that? Because he made us with differences. He made us with differences. In our current world, it feels to me like those differences are, are getting argued with all the time. And I'm not here for an argument tonight. But you've already proven that you're sexist. <laughs> because when we did that test, you had all the answers. You knew them. You didn't hesitate. No one yelled, both men and women, uh, both men and women, uh, both men and women. No, you didn't do that. We're no different. No one did. It was like the whole room, one voice for many of them. You are sexist people because you've been paying attention. And you've seen that the differences between, between women, men and women, male and female, has differences. And it goes beyond, beyond anatomical. Right? So, so I know I'm in a danger zone. I know, and, and so let me just say this. If tonight I say one thing you disagree with, please just forgive me and let's move on. Right? Because I'm, how many things have we just said? And you want to argue about one of them? That's fine. You want to argue about the science of it? You can go look it up for yourself. And rest. But I'm, I'm probably going to say things that you go, well, I wish you wouldn't have said it quite that way. You know, I'm not here to irritate you. It's a gift. Um, <laughs> but I just want to go, you know, pre, pre-message. Pre-message, I ask your forgiveness, but we're gonna we're gonna stretch a little bit, and and I'm not trying to come come off as chauvinistic or male this or male that kind of thing, but I've got a problem when it comes to these kind of messages. I'm both male and white, and so when I do these kind of talks, it works that works against you, right? This, so anyway, moving on. So male and female have differences, and different is not the same as opposites, right? A lot of times it's degree of things, you know. So so. We're also not talking about absolutes. We're talking about trends. So when I say something or we, something comes up about men or about women and you go, well, pff, I'm a woman, I'm not like that, or I'm a man and I'm not like that, I get it. There's exceptions. You're going to hear something tonight that, that, that probably, you've probably already heard it. You go, well, I'm not like that. Everybody says the whole room that was men, but I'm a man and I, that's not me. Is there something wrong with me? No, 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 no. There's just, these are trends. These are the majority. And we're not going to deal with every exception to the rule. It, it's, it's just that there's, there's trends to it. Now, these differences aren't necessarily all because God made us that way. Just because something is doesn't mean God made us that way, right? So some of them come from culture. Some of them are biological. Some of them are anatomical. Some of them are neurological. Some of them come from your family of origin. Some of them are personality. Have you ever taken a personality survey? It's amazing how much I learned about my wife and she learned about me when we sat down and took one of those please understand me type tests because... Um, it wasn't about being male and female. It's about seeing the world and perceiving it a little bit differently and how we react to things. And then we talk about family of origin. And she was raised in one environment, and I was raised in, a, in another. And 
those things have come up, and we, we have to kind of talk through all of that stuff, right? Now, I want to show you a video clip that you've probably seen if you've gone to Crosswinds very long, and it's only a minute and 50 se seconds, but um, I don't think this is one that will ever wear out, so I'm just going to show it to you, and then we'll talk about it. Like I said, you've probably seen it before, but here we go. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. Sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is, <laughs> and I'm not sleeping very well at all, and all my sweaters are snagged, I mean all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on, Ow. if you would just... Don't! Okay, so I know that I, you, you've probably seen that before. It's still funny, isn't it? So here's why I showed it tonight. Why is it funny? That's the question. Why is it funny? Because what? Because it's true. Because there's things in there that you go, that isn't just stereotypical. There's elements of truth to that. That's why we laugh at stuff. The more truth is wrapped into these kinds of things, the more we kind of kind of laugh at it, and, and it comes out. So there's a book that came out years ago that's called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. Raise your hand if you read that book. Okay, awesome. So you can kind of be like, like truth and advertising, because I just read deep summaries on it. But here's the basic gist of it. They're saying that men and women are different. What I've said, they said it's kind of like men are from one planet and women are from a completely different planet and so no wonder when we put them together in the I do I do what I do world they have trouble communicating sometimes and so um, I'm going to summarize some of the differences let me be clear about this that John Gray the author of the book who's not necessarily a Christian I don't know if he is or isn't but it's not a Christian book okay and there, lots of people like to argue with all this kind of stuff but I'm going to say what he says and Take it that this isn't me telling you, this is what he says. And I'm not sure I agree with every single one of them to the same degree. But here we go. Men are wired to fix things without help. Okay? Women like to be part of the helping team. This is one of his points in the book. We have different ways of approaching problems, he would say. Men love to be known for their abilities. No, it's more than known. We want to be praised. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> for known and praised for our abilities. Women love to be heard and understood, right? And, and again, well, not me. I get it. There's exceptions to all these things. Men tend towards working alone. Women in interactive groups. 
men desire their solutions to be appreciated when they solve a problem or do something like, I don't know, vacuum the floor. <laughs> Appreciate us. Women desire their assistance to be appreciated. Right? They just, they don't have to solve it alone. They just want to be a part of the solution. Men are more ego-driven. Women are more community or team-driven. Men communicate to get, the po- to, to get to the point and listen at times reluctantly. I'm the one who put at times in there because I don't think it's all the time. I listen once in a while without reluctance, but there you go. Women communicate to connect, and they listen to other people happily. You know, just they're, they're, they're be- according to John Gray, they're better at listening unconditionally, listening and, and caring. A man's instinct is to look, this is probably the most critical one, to look after himself, even if it means sacrificing others. That's a huge statement. Not one that I'm proud about for men. Man, a man's instinct, he says, is to look after himself, even if it means sacrificing others. A woman's instinct is to look after others, even if it means sacrificing herself. So his point would be women are constantly sacrificing for others, and, and men don't do that. And my wife, when I read that out loud, I think she was in the room, she goes, exactly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Not, not to burn me, but because she goes, every woman she knows is giving away her life to her family and to her kids and to other people. And she doesn't see that quite in the male community the same, the same way. Um, so men want to be recognized and respected as heroes and will sacrifice others to get it. Women tend to make self-sacrifices to care for others. Okay, that's the one. He says a lot of different things. You can go read the book for yourself. But those are some of the things that he says. He says it puts us in two different worlds, two different ways of communicating, and it, and it adds to the, to the tension. The reason I bring it up is not because I want to salute John Gray. The reason I bring it up is because if that's true, then it changes how we read what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5 about marriage. And he writes some words that have been very, very difficult for us to deal with, especially sometimes for women to deal with. So let me just kind of go through. But I think it's a nice thing. Ephesians 5. So let me start with verse 515. It says this. He says, so be careful how you live. He's not writing to men and women now. He's just writing to the church. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Remember this series? I said this is about gaining wisdom. We want to we get all the wisdom from God that we can and apply it to our life so we're not living like fools and so we get the most that God has to offer us and not make silly mistakes. He's the one who created us. He knows how we're wired and what we should do. We want to follow his um, lead in everything in life that we can. So now we're going to jump down from, from that. This is all about wisdom. Down to verse 21. And he says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's still not talking to just husbands and wives. He's talking to the whole church. It's an umbrella. Submit to one another. Mutual submission is what he's about to to, to talk about. So when you hear the word submit, most of us think of the word obey. We go out well, to submit is to do it their way. Submit is to obey them when they... So, gee, that doesn't feel great to hear that. I think of it a little bit differently. Here's what I think. I think it's to put the other's needs and well-being ahead of my own. Of my own. And I think of submit as being a way of honoring someone else. So I want. So when I submit to God, I put, God, what do you want? What do you want? And yeah, there's an obedience factor with that, but 
but it's because I want to submit to you. I want to, God, I want to put what your desires are ahead of mine. This is the prayer, right? The last night of Christ's life. God, here's what I want, but your will, not mine. I want to submit to, to your to what your plans are, to your well-being, to your plans for this earth, to your saving actions. I get to be a part of that, is what, what Jesus prayed. And then it's part of honoring, right? So when I submit mutually to, to Lori, to my, to my wife, it's because I want to honor her as my wife. And it may mean I don't do things my way sometimes, right? But it, it's not about salute and obey. It's about who that person is and how I want to live with them. I, I, I want to put her needs ahead of my own, and I want to honor her with my life. That's part of how I view, view marriage. So when I was reading um, John Gray's, you know, his book, the question came up, when I, when I, and I put this to that, put others' needs and well-being ahead of one's own. Do you think that comes easier for men or for women? What would John Gray say? Women, okay. If you're not willing to say it, John Gray will say it for you. Women. His, his contention would be women find that giving up and mutual submission, that part of it, more, more easier. How about honoring? Is it easier for, for men or women to honor their partner? I'm not sure I know the answer. But it's just a different way of, uh, of looking at it. So let's read on because he's about to go to, no, he, this is kind of like, okay, example number one, and we're not going to go to all the examples. Example number one of mutual submission that's the principle he's teaching, is a marriage example. Here's what he writes. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Right? So lift, lift him up. Honor him. Seek his highest welfare as, as you would to God. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. Hold on to that. Now, he is the savior of his body, the church. That's talking about Jesus, not your husbands. Right? So he's saying... You know, this is an example, it's a metaphor. The husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. So whatever relationship Christ and the church have together, the husband and is, is to have with his, his wife. He's the savior of his, his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in, in everything. And everything seek to honor him. Now, that doesn't, if he tells you to do something wrong or is urging you to do something illegal or immoral or fo not follow God anymore, of course you go, no, 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 no. So it's not everything, is it, then? It's not unconditional. It's wisdom and, and, and wisely, right? So let me just come clean with this. Um, I'm not entirely sure what is meant in the complete analogy. And in a minute, you're going to find out neither is Paul. But he says there's an analogy between Christ and the church and a husband and, and his, his wife. And he's going to use the word mystery in a little bit. It's a mystery. It's, it's a mystery. But what I do get, what I, what I think I do get is um, that when it says to, to submit to your husband the way the church submits to Christ, that, that Christ is God, and I know that it doesn't mean that I'm God. And um, Lori knows that too. And that's good for our relationship. It's good because she knows she's allowed to, she can question, she can push back, she can, we have conversations. I'm, I don't view myself, and I know other people may have different slants on this, and it's okay, you have to figure out what, how you want to practice your marriage in this area, but, but it does not mean that I'm in charge of everything. It does not mean that, that I'm the dictator of my marriage. It, 
<laughs> we wouldn't have a marriage if that's what it meant, right? It, it, means, it means mutual submission. It means from, from for Lori, it means she wants to lift me up. She wants me to become the person I'm meant to be. She wants to honor me in, in our marriage. I know that's true about her. You know it's true about her because she still goes to this church, even all the things I say. She's still here following along, being a part of it. Thirdly, I want to honor and help. I want her to honor and to help me as her husband. I do. I want that from her. That's part of what makes our marriage work. And I, and, and I want to do the same thing for her. So now let's go to the husband part. That's the wife part. That was the most dangerous part. So if you're still okay, we should be all right here. Um, verse 25. For husbands, this, what is this talking about? Mutual submission means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now, what did Jesus do for the church? Your wife wants you to die. <laughs> she wants you to love her enough to take some death on in her lives. To, to surrender. To make some of those some of those sacrifices. So, so love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. This is the church he's talking about now. Washed by the cleansing of, of God's word. So when I st started to just kind of think about that a little bit, I thought, you know what? Everything Jesus did was out of love for us and obedience to the Father. Everything he did. So men, what if we could say that about our lives? Everything that we do is out of love for our wives and out of love for our children and in obedience to God. Do you think our wives would have any problem lifting us up, honoring us with mutual submission? And I'm not, I'm not blaming us. I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's a chicken-egg question maybe, but it's, it's one of those, we can only be responsible for us and how we lead and love and interact with each other. So he goes on. He says, He, Jesus, did this to present her, the church, to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. When God looks at the church, he doesn't see the faults. By the way, when you look at church, do you see some faults? Of course. Because we see reality here on earth. But, but he looks and he presents it to himself as perfect. When you look at men, when you look at your, your wives, and if you're not married, I'm, you know, your future wives, there is a presenting of people to yourself, right? You choose how you think about people. You, you make choices. I'm not going to dig into this too deeply. But when I think of my wife, I, I, I struggle to think of faults because I've chosen to forgive them. And I really, she just, oh, come on, you know. I struggle to think of what they are. If you press me, I have to go get the list. But... <laughs> He does this present, but there's a presenting to yourself. That's what God does with us, and we should do maybe for each other, but husbands for sure with your wives, and without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault in the same way husbands, in the same way, in the same way, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. That sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for his, himself. I think it's a first century way of saying happy wife, happy life, right? By loving your wife, you're actually loving yourself. By making your wife happy, you're actually going to make yourself happy in, in the long run. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it. Okay, that's not true. There's mentally ill people who don't love their own bodies. But for healthy people, 
in mind. No one hates their own body, but to feed it, care for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And so we are members of his body. As scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother. This should sound familiar, by the way. We're going back to Genesis 1. Leaves his, or 2, I'm sorry. Uh, leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That's the first explanation of, of, of marriage. This is a great mystery. Right? This, here it is. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Marriage is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. And, he, and this is where he goes, but I don't get it completely because there's mystery to it. It's a little above my pay grade. Isn't it nice that Paul says that? Something's above his pay grade. Um, but it's there. It's there. It's rich. It's beautiful. It's awesome. And, and there's a picture, husbands, of how we're supposed to love our wives. And there's a picture there for wives of how to love our husbands. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself with a sacrificial love. And the wife must respect, notice that's a different word instead of submit all of a sudden, respect her husband. Now go back, if you can, to Mars and Venus, right? Martian men desire respect for their abilities. That's what they want. I solved it. I did. It's, men crave that, right? Venetian women tend to, nat, tend to naturally love sacrificially. So when Paul writes, this is amazing to me, he says, Women, come on, just give men what they want, a little respect, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, respect your, respect your husbands. And, and why didn't he tell women to sacrifice themselves and die in the flames? Because they already do it. It's, we're the ones, according to, you know, John Gray and science and books, and, and maybe he's wrong, I don't know, but this is what he says. It kind of makes an in, interesting observation. He goes, men, we struggle with that. My wife says, women do it all the time. They give their lives up for their loved ones and, and love that sacrificial way. But there's this, there's this organic tension of what we're good at and what we're not good at with, with men and women. Is it absolute? No. Is it a tendency? For sure. But, but it's, we're called to find that mutual way of loving. Now, if you're the exception to the rule, then figure out what your, your exception is and do the right things. You, you can do that. By the way, this whole tension between men and women has been the source. Uh, I mean, it's it's woven into our literature and in, into our movies. There's a movie that came out years ago that the whole... So if it didn't have naughty words in it, I'd tell you to go watch it. So go watch it and go like this at the naughty words parts, okay? It is... Comp half the movie is all about the dynamics between men and women and the difference. I'm just going to show you one little clip. The movie was called My Cousin Vinny. Confirming the very impressive legal stature of Jerry Callow. Well, friends, you got in the clerk's office. Your friend. My friend. Judge Malloy. So what's your problem? My problem is I wanted to win my first case without any help from anybody. Well, I guess that plan's a moot. Yeah. You know, this could be a sign of things to come. You win all your cases, but with somebody else's help, right? You win case after case, and then afterwards, you have to go up to somebody, and you have to say thank you. Oh, my God, what a nightmare. Did you catch us exactly what we were talking about? What did he say? 
I wanted to win this case on my own. And she helped him, right? And she just wanted to be a helper, help make it happen. She, didn't, she wasn't even looking for credit. She just wanted to do it and make it a part of the. But he's upset because, and then she's like laying into him because she's got a gift. And she says, um, this could be a thing to come. You win all your cases, but someone had to help you with every single one. And every single time, you're going to have to say, thank you. And it is a man's nightmare to, to, to think about doing that, right? So now, this isn't, I got to just kind of help us finish up here. This isn't about typecasting men and women. If you leave tonight with, you heard something that you didn't like, that's, that's typecasting us, that's stereotyping us, fine, let it go. It's not, if you don't think it's true, good enough. It's not true. I'm fine, I'm fine with that. But there are differences. And they're real. And they're, they're much deeper. And they're ingrained into us from lots of different sources. And maybe some of them should be corrected. Maybe some of them shouldn't. But it comes from every single direction. And when we get, every married person will tell you this, when we get married, we discover differences from all kinds of sources. Some of it's because man and woman, but some of it is because of family background, things, things I already told you about, because of our culture, uh, because of what we ate when we were kids, because of the, way, the example we had from our parents. There's all kinds of things that are come up that make relational tension because we're just different. And what we have to do, no matter where those differences come from, we have to work to understand, this is marriage time here, love, honor, and submit to each other. I promise you, if you both dig your heels in and don't submit to each other, don't have a desire to honor each other, don't have a desire to, to lift that other person up, um, your marriage won't work. And this is why marriage is work. This is why it's hard, is because we're, we're all coming from different angles, different places. And yes, some of the differences complement each other, and some of the differences don't complement each other. Some of the differences have to be worked worked through. What I want you to hear tonight is that you are unique. Not that you're like every other man, men. And women, you are unique. You're not like every other woman. But you're still a man and a woman. And you come in with all kinds of differences in, into that relationship. So what's the goal? We've got to become experts at loving, understanding, submitting, honoring, building each other up and encouraging each other in our marriages. You want the job description when you get married? That's it right there. For the rest of my life, I'm going to become an expert at how to love you, to understand you. I'm going to submit to you. It's going to be mutual submission, honoring. I'm going to build you up. I want you to become the person you're meant to be. I'm going to encourage you. Right? And Paul, what his message really is, do that. I think that's really the message he's giving. Now let me close with just a different verse. It's this one, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, right? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. What is God up to? This kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law against these things. It means everybody thinks this is a good idea. None of those things is someone going, you know what? That's not really good for your life. Everybody. doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not. These are good things for your life. Here's my contention. Um, if we all did this, we wouldn't even need Ephesians 5. Right? This is not about men or women. This is about follower of Christ. If we, men and women, all did these things, we wouldn't be worrying about submitting or headship. 
none of those things would even be a conversation because we would be so in sync with who God is and our character. So if you just go, what I want to do is become the person God wants me to be, this is it. It's, it's gender inclusive. It's all of us are becoming that. Last word is this. Remember you married Crystal. If you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. You married, if you're married, you married one of God's finest works of art. Let's treat each other that way. And if you need help, marriage is going south. If you need help, don't be too proud to get it. By the way, who's going to have a harder time getting help, men or women? You know why? Because we like to solve our problems on our own. And we don't like help. It is the biggest barrier to saving marriages is getting the man to say, I'll go, I'll ask, I'll humble myself to get help. Let's pray. Guys, it's funny, that's where my relationship with you started. Was I'm not good enough, smart enough, big enough to figure my life out on my own. My first prayer really to you from my heart as a mature person was, God, I need your help. I'm screwing up my whole life. And I don't think there's a married person here who wants to screw up their marriage and their family. I don't think there's a single person here who wants to get in a marriage only to see it train wreck and burn. But I'll go first. I need your help. I need your help to love and honor and be kind and gentle and patient to live a self-controlled life. So God, I ask that your spirit would continue to work in my heart so that I can be the man you created me to be. Others are praying the exact same thing so they can be the woman or the man that you created them to be. So I can be the husband that you desire me to be. So I can be the father you desire me to be. So I can be the servant that you created me to be. And God, I just reinvite you again tonight to bring those changes to my heart and my life. In Christ's name, amen.